two episode. Well, we decided we're not doing episodes, so this is um, the continuation season. of season two. Yeah, you said you had something clever to say. Let's hear. That it. was it. <laughs> oh, that was it. No, I, man, this this week has just been exhausting, and and I don't know why because there's not been a whole lot going on. I'm just tired. Tired. Mm. So. Yeah. You yeah. Know. Well, I feel that. I feel that. Not been going on a lot on a Jesus. What the hell did I just <laughs> See, say? I passed it on to you. My dumb has, has not gone been going time and space. Oh my god, I can't speak. Jesus. Okay, there hasn't been a lot going on with me either this week. We finally got the new video course launched. We were doing pre-orders for a long time, and now pre-orders are done. The new course is up, which took a surprising amount of work believe it or not it's not yeah. as easy as just like getting your uh your course like done and uploaded to the site you got to do emails you got to do promotion stuff it's a lot but it's up it's done and um my my manager my digital manager steve uh has already on me about like all right let's get the next course going it's time for the next oh, course yeah. and it's like oh my god we just finished this one can i have like a week Man, I, I feel like, I mean, and don't you feel like that though? When you finish one, you're like, okay, panic mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel so, that. Cause that's how well, I am. Like with everything being kind of caught up now, it's like, okay, I can finally start tackling all these other projects. And then I start to sweat. It's like, oh no, like we're not selling anything, but it's, you know, I know it just comes in waves, but yep. I, yeah, I, I never give myself room to breathe or, or time to breathe. Yeah. So. Well, I don't either. Why sit and relax when you can just continue to work? Right. That's what I, I always say. I've started to notice, um, you know how like your hair, it, it turns white, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, like all of my beard hairs, when, when one like falls out, I'll see them. And like the bottom of it from when my beard started growing, which is not that long ago is brown. And right. then we're near the follicle is white. So it's like, what is, oh, dude. what is happening? I'm going. So on the side here, I'm oh, yeah. going completely gray mm-hmm. and um, I'm not going to dye it. I think it looks cool. I like gray hair, but I'm, if I'm anything like my dad, which I am, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be completely gray by the time I'm 38, 39, maybe. Right. I, I'm 31 I'll, now. When I'm 40, I, f- I feel like I'll be mostly mostly gray in mine like it used to not bother me as much and then i don't see it so much as me just getting older but the amount of stress i put on myself it's like every yeah every white hair is is like oh that's something i probably shouldn't be stressing about but hey man you earned those white hairs all right you wear I them with guess, pride I don't, don't you worry about that put a lot of that on myself well uh yeah welcome back to dipped in tone everyone we're well into season two and uh, shout out to the the Discord, the patrons. If you want to watch us or listen to us live, because Zach's feed is so bad that it's really kind of just watching me and listening to him. <laughs> but if you want to, if you want to join in live while we're taping, uh, I mean, dude, it's honestly like 140p right now. I know. And you know what's crazy? <laughs> I set the stream to be 720p, so it wasn't 1440p, so or, or 1080p. So this is even less resolution. It's requiring less bandwidth and it's just that that internet connection is like it, it seems like it's run by a bunch of hamsters and wheels like spinning generators or something because it's horrible. So it's the business side. I guess it's Comcast. I want to run a, a speed test on the Wi-Fi right now. There's no other um, there's no other options for this commercial location because I looked and even upgrading this uh, you can upgrade the download speed but the upload speed. It doesn't do anything. <laughs> so, uh, Mendoza in the chat said dipped in dial tone. <laughs> <laughs> you is, are running like dial up internet right now. That's that's like the speed you're at. Oh my gosh. My my download speed is 17 megabytes down. And then my upload. Oh no, it's less than one megabyte. Dude. Wow. <laughs> I could do this on my phone and it would be better. You you might need to. <laughs> point, point 0.8 megabytes up. Oh what? my god. Your internet connection is fast. Says who? That's that is asinine. That's unbelievable. Crazy. Well, this at least, is, hey, you know what? On the bright side, at least we have internet. We have an internet connection. So let's not be that. curmudgeons here. Anyways, uh yeah, if you want to join us live while we're uh, we're taping this show, you can uh <laughs> join our Patreon, link down below. And uh yeah, join in the madness. You can also 
uh, get your rig dipped, which is something we're going to do right now. Do you have one lined up? I do. I don't know if I'll be able to upload it, but (laughs) yeah, running off 5G on my phone is, is, uh, so much faster so did you did you switch because your connection looks better no i didn't but oh. i uh maybe maybe you may, should may, I, can i do that midstream i don't know i don't know i wouldn't trust it yeah <laughs> it's everything yeah i wouldn't trust and falls it yeah apart. let's not do that we'll just do all it right. next week all right all right all right all right so here it goes it's uploading now it's taking so long. This picture is only 3.7 megabytes. It's taking so long. This is I'm still embarrassing. Waiting. I'm still waiting. And still processing. waiting. There it, there it goes. There it is. Here we go. All right. All right. Ooh. So, yeah. So this is, um, this is from Mr. Nick Miller, which uh, I partially chose because I thought this would be a cool conversation. And Oh, I'm going to uh, like this rig. I can already I like, tell. I like uh, the show New Girl. Nick Miller is a funny character on there. Nick Miller is one of the most underrated television show characters of all time. I think it, the the whole cast on that show is so ridiculous and it gets way like this, like as the show goes on, they just get more and more ludicrous. I really wish they hadn't canceled that show, man. It was so good. And maybe there was a little bit of a fall off towards the last couple seasons, but Tilly and I used to watch yeah. that show religiously and yeah, it was great. It's funny. It's funny. It's a funny show. Uh, but anyway, so this is uh, Mr. Nick Miller's rig. And he's got a Fender Ventura 60s Jazzmaster completely stock, um, as well as a Jay Mascus Jazzmaster that's been upgraded to a State Trim Bridge, cool. a um, American Vintage Tremolo Curtis Novak P90s. And uh, yeah, I think that's that on that. And then the pedal board is, he wrote all this stuff. In a, he wrote all this in a paragraph. And so it's, I'm kind uh, right, well, of dig through it. Yeah, let's just go through because we can clearly see the board here for those of you listening in audio world. So starting at the bottom right corner of the board, which I'm assuming is towards the beginning of the signal chain, we got a JHS Morning Glory. We got a regular, what is that, a TS9 tube screamer? Yes. Yep. Then we got the Dunlop Mini volume pedal. We got a Polytune Mini. Then we got a Disaster Area controller, which I'm assuming is controlling the Strymon stuff. Then going to the Mm -hmm. middle row, we got a Keeley compressor, two knob. We got a Micro Pog. We got a Strymon Deco here, here mm-hmm. points for the Deco. Um, and then the line six, is that the, uh, it's the Echo Park? Uh, Echo Park. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, that's a great pedal. Yeah. They're cool. That's a really great pedal. And then we've got a stereo Pulsar from Electro Harmonics. Um, I had one of those back in the day. Really great pedal. Then we got a TC Electronic Hall of Fame, a Strymon Timeline, Strymon Blue Sky, and then a Strymon Iridium, which I'm assuming is last in the chain. Yeah. Uh, and then the two amps. It looks like a Blues Junior, and then I don't know what that box is. That's maybe an AC fifteen, AC thirty, one by twelve AC thirty. Oh, interesting. So yeah, um, so let's start with the guitars. Um, I still want a Jazzmaster, like really bad. Yep. And I mean, and I know what I need to get. I need to get a a Mirus with Jazzmaster pickups. That's all I need to do. Yeah. Well, I don't know though because is the Mirus the same scale length as the Jazzmaster? Mm-hmm. It's twenty five and a half. Okay, because the okay. Jaguar is a short scale, right? But the Jazzmaster is like a normal Fender scale length. Yeah, um, yeah. But I think you know that would be a cool you know middle ground. But these guitars, like I for years, it just it didn't connect with me. And the, like like I said, I don't know many episodes ago, uh, Mike Adams. Uh, I watched his videos and it just made me go, okay, I think I understand this now and I want to get one. <laughs> They're <laughs> so super thanks, cool, Mike. man. They're super cool. Yeah. Um, I've never had an actual jazz master with the actual jazz master pickups. And you know, for those of you that are, well, like what I thought for a long time was, Oh, they're just P nineties, but they're not, no. No, they're, no, no. they're their own thing. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're a wide fat coil. And a P90 has two ceramic magnets underneath the poles, um, like touching the pole screws, like a, like kind of like a, hum, a humbucker. Only a humbucker has one magnet. But um, Jazzmaster pickup is just kind of like a giant Strat or Tele pickup. It's a real wide bobbin, and then the magnets are the poles themselves. Right. Um, so a total different sound, total different construction. Yeah, really cool. Um, moving on to the pedal board, this is a pretty comprehensive 
board right here. This is similar to a setup that I used to run back when I was doing a lot of church gigs. I had a morning glory. I had a stereo pulsar. I had, uh, the timeline. Um, you know, this is, this is really, this can cover a lot of ground. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of, I mean, um, because the Hall of Fame, that's reverb, right? Yep. And then the and blue then, sky. And, There's definitely the some sky. overlap. Yeah. And then the timeline and the echo park. It's a lot. Well, and even the deco, which can yeah. be a tape echo as well. Yeah, because I mean, to me, it's I mean, like, there's a lot of good stuff here, and I think individually, like everything on this this board is is pretty solid. Um, but it's it's a little redundant it for me, you know. But at least he's got that uh, tube screamer on there. So God, <laughs> I'm not. And it looks I'm like not it's modded. This up again. It looks like it's modded. It looks like when oh, I zoom I in, hear. it looks like the, the LED is definitely blue. Yeah, it's blue LED. So I wonder if it's a Keeley mod. Um, what are they normally red? They're red and they're so dim you can barely yeah. see them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's the thing with this. I agree with you on the redundancy point, right? I think the blue sky and the Hall of Fame are a bit of an overlap, with the exception of let's see, the Hall of Fame will do like a spring tank sound. I'm assuming. Yeah. Can the blue sky not do a spring? I don't think so. What? I could be wrong on that. Hold on, I can't can't see it. The picture's not high high in resolution enough to see it. Um, oh, I've never owned a blue sky. Um, and then same thing with the timeline and the echo park. The echo yeah. park is a really cool delay. Yeah, um, the, the blue sky will do a spring spring room plate, and then it has mod normal mod and shimmer. Yeah. Okay, then yeah, that's totally there. I don't really see a reason why you'd need the Hall of Fame and the blue sky. I'd go with the blue sky. Um, save the hall of fame for another rig, maybe a fly rig or light board or something. Yeah. Same thing with the echo park. I mean, that's a really cool delay pedal that I think has somewhat been, been somewhat overlooked. Um, although people are starting to catch, Oh, this one's modded too, by this one's mine. Do you see that? T one M on the bottom of the echo park. Does it say that? Yeah. I can't. <laughs> Is your Enhance. internet not fast Enhance. enough to zoom? In? Oh, I do see that. <laughs> I wonder if that's what that, that little expression control down there is well that's going to the deco <laughs> is it well one of the sides is going oh to the deco. i see the it. other yeah, side the yeah the other side looks like it's going to the echo park too um but overall here's what i would do on this board i would drop the tube screamer obviously get something better <laughs> in there um i drop the echo park and the hall of fame um and turn for well actually hold on i would definitely drop the hall of fame i would either drop the timeline or the echo park and that's you know choose your own adventure which one do you want to get instead but i think both are great delays but they're just there's too much overlap happening there are you hearing all this right now yeah what the hell's going on (laughs) i bet they're putting cases on the the, oh my god the pallet rack for the warehouse is like right through that wall. You need to, to march over there and just scream. I'm going to, we're, we're going to just move it to the other office probably next week. I'm just going to have to. Yeah. And hopefully you can get on your phone because the connection, I, I can't overstate it enough how bad it uh, looks and sounds. I can right see now. it. I've got the, the, the YouTube pulled up. <laughs> I look like, like E-bombs world was way higher definition than what I'm running at right now. It's true. It's true. Oh, great poll. Good reference. Well, although here, here's what I like about this board. Okay. I really like the morning glory. I like the Keeley two knob. I love the micro pog, the deco strong choice. I mean, come on. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the iridium at the end, here's what I would do though. Other than drop the stuff that we talked about, I'd move some stuff around. So I would have your drives, whatever you would decide to replace the TS nine with. Um, then I'd have your, your volume pedal, your compressor, your micropog. Then I would go ahead and put the Iridium after your drives, but before your modulation and time-based effects. Mm-hmm. So I'd go mono into the Iridium and then you could, if you're running stereo, you could go stereo out or mono out. And this is going to do a couple of things. A, if you're running direct out with the Iridium, having your reverbs, uh, like the deco tape machine, the, the delays, whatever delay you decide to use, 
it's going to keep it like more of a studio style reverb and delay where it's going to sound more pristine, where it's not going through an amp. That's if you're going direct. If you're going into the front end of an amp, then you could use the Iridium. You can bypass the impulse responses on the Iridium and use it as a preamp style overdrive, which is great. Uh, right. And use it to hit the front end of one of your your amps over there, the Blues Junior or the AC30. Um, so yeah, that's what I would think about doing. Well, I wonder if he's using the um, the Iridium as like like using the Blues Junior is basically the just an amplifier for the Iridium, like keeping it super clean and using the Iridium as all the amp like heavy lifting. Uh, well, I would just go DI at that point. I would just right. use the Iridium like as a DI. And he says and he's it mainly. Looks like He's using it playing at home without blowing his ears out. So, yeah. So you could do that. You could accomplish the same thing. If you moved the iridium towards the middle of the chain, put it after your drives, but before your time-based effects, and then take your DI out of whatever's last in your chain, maybe the big sky there or the blue sky. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Just take your DI out of that. You could go stereo out of that. And then your delay repeats and your reverb trails are going to be super pristine and and full uh full frequency response that way which is kind of a cool thing yeah well lastly what about these amps like i know that you're not a huge fan of the modern or the well the more recent ac 30 reissues yeah i'm not a huge fan of the blues junior so well here's the deal like this is a good combo although the the blues junior is not a true fender style amp in my opinion because it's it's el84 driven it's 15 watts. Um, if that was a 6V6 amp, I'd say, sure, or 6L6. And you can mod them. You can mod Blues Juniors to take different power tubes. Yeah, but um, I mean, I don't feel like, I feel like so much more of that is going to be like dependent on, especially at something that size. Like, I don't think the power section is going to impart that much character. Well, it does when some, you push it. Yeah, when you push yeah. that amp, it, it, it doesn't break up like a Tweed amp or a Blackface amp, um, which is what it looks like aesthetically. Yeah. Um, the, the AC 30 is cool. I, I do like them. I've played a lot of the reissues. I mean, a lot of the Chinese reissues, cause those are backline amps basically yeah. everywhere you go. Um, and they're, they're good. They, they, they do the AC 30 thing, but the modern ones have this really nasty top end shrill thing when they start to drive that the old ones don't even the the ones from the 90s the the early korg era ones that were built by marshall they don't break up in the same way right yeah i I had an ac30 from when they first reissued them and i ended up modding it and it helped a lot but yeah they're pretty abrasive in the top end and the blues junior i feel like the biggest shortcoming because like like taking it at face value it's just it's a it's a fine little combo amp for what it is. It's not a really a fender sound for sure, but I feel like the biggest shortcoming is that tiny cab. They just sound so small and boxy um, when you're trying to play in a band situation. In my opinion, every time I've they tried, are. they are, but when you mod it, one of the first mods I did was a, a tone stack mod and that along with the speaker swap completely cured the boxiness of it. Because well, when they're I, stock, they they sound like they look. They sound like little. But the, here's the thing: it's like that cabinet is almost the same size as a Tweed Deluxe, but a Tweed Deluxe doesn't sound boxy. Well, the cool thing about it's the it's the cabinet construction and and everything. Uh, Mojo Tone, I think they're still doing this. You can buy like a pine cabinet that will accept that chassis, and you can just oh, pop cool. it in, and then you have a really nice cabinet. Um, did I say pine chassis, pine cabinet, pine and, cabinet. Yeah. And, and you can put the chassis in it. And, um, I've heard that just does wonders for those amps, but, but yeah, I don't know. Just the, not, not my faves, but anyway, the key, the cabinet matters. So, okay, let's get into rating this thing. Yes. Um, some things I would change here that I would like to see. Let me go back up to the picture here. I was checking in on the chat. I love the two jazz masters. I don't know that you need two of them. There's sort of a unique yeah. kind of sound. And if you've got one, you've got the sound covered. So I'd drop one of the jazz masters in favor for a humbucker guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, take your pick double humbucker, solid body. I think you got a great situation as mentioned in the pedal board segment. I would drop, I mean, you don't have to drop the tube screamer. I'm joking about that, <laughs> but I would definitely drop the hall of fame and I would pick either the timeline or the echo park 
uh, and you could afford to kind of pare down that board a little more. Maybe also add a switcher because you've got enough happening here that it might behoove you to put a good switcher, loop switcher on there with MIDI capability, like the Boss ES5, I think would work really well here. Yeah. Um, and then amp wise, it's cool. I like the Blues Junior. I like the AC3112. Maybe if it were me, I'd put both of those amps up on reverb and I'd look for a Milkman. If you're looking for a cool pedal platform combo amp, I'd get a Milkman Creamer 112. I don't, I don't like Milkman amps. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Zach, what don't you like about Milkman amps? They sound amazing. Uh, I, I, that's, uh, they never excited me. Every time I played them, we had them uh, when I worked at the shop at Carter and uh, played a lot of them. I like the really high power ones. Like the 40-watt? Um, yeah. Uh, what is that one called? The, um, the ones oh that are God. like for a steel guitar and stuff. Um, well, that's how that's how Tim started. That's how because yeah. he's a steel player. So the the amps, he's really good at clean amps that have character, like that Creamer, which is sort of I guess like a blackface deluxe style thing. I really like, and I like the way it breaks up. It's built incredibly well. Yeah, um, I, may, I don't know what was up. I just never, I just never really vibed with them. I thought the. The third power Wooly Coats was much more versatile and, and a better sounding amp. Wooly Coats is but cool the, too. I do like that. The was Wooly just Coats. me. So, yeah. So, okay. With that in mind, I'm going to give this a 7.5 out of 10. All right. Yeah. I, I'm kind of with you on the like mixing it up with the guitars. I do think that the beauty of the Jazz Masters now is that they're so um, uh, in vogue. I don't know if, if, you know, that's even the right term, but like there's so many people making like different pickups for them. Uh, he said he has Curtis Novak P90s in the, the J Mascus. So that's, I mean, that's different, but you could put, you know, there's all sorts of cool pickups that you could put in that guitar to kind of differentiate the tones, but, but I don't know, mixing up scale lengths and things, I think is a, a good way to mix it up. But yeah, I would pare down the board and, and do the same, like sell the amps and, and get something like really, really sweet. Cause if you like move some of those pedals and those amps, like you, you'd have, quite a bit of cash to play with. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just don't, I don't like those amps and the pedal board is just too much for me. So I would, I would give it a 6.8. Oh, okay. We're, we're in the same ballpark. Here's the deal with the amps. I think it's always, always a better decision to have one great amp versus a handful of mediocre amps that kind of do a different, a different flavor. Yes. Amps really are the thing like they, they make such a huge difference in, in the, the tone, the feel, the response, you know, a, uh, a high watt and an AC 30 are completely different animals and do completely different things. A Marshall and a, a Fender Tweed Deluxe are completely different things. They, they're different tools for different jobs. Um, but when you get one truly great amp, whatever it is, you know, I love divided by 13s that really accurately represent whatever is going into the front end of them. I, I it's, it's a magical thing. And yeah. that's that's a thing that a lot of um, the sort of lower to mid tier mass produced stuff doesn't do all that well. You know, like Fender's mass produced stuff, AC 30s, Fox's mass produced stuff. Um it's sort of a sound that you can hide behind. It's kind of, it's like masking some of what you're, it's the best way I can describe it. It's like, it's, yeah. you're, you're sort of putting a blanket on what's happening with, with the amp. Yeah. Uh, and when you play something like a divided by 13, that has massive filter chokes and big transformers and is built like a tank and hand wired and everything. Uh, it's an experience. It's a, it's a completely different experience. So, yeah. yeah and I, and I, even then, like, I don't think you have to go hand wired necessarily because there's a lot of great, you know, PCB amps, True. but, but it's, it's all about the attention to detail. Cause like a Soldano has a PCB, but it's like <laughs> military grade and all the components are as top shelf as you can get. But, um, it's true. Like there's something, it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't so much put a blanket on your, your tone as it does on your character of your guitar, just like kind of whitewashes everything in a way or just like, yeah, I don't, I don't mean that in terms of like EQ. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm not saying it's like literally putting a blanket over your amp and it sounds muffled. What I mean yeah. is it's like 
the response, what the amp is giving back yeah. to you is a little bit dampened. I yeah, think. totally. Totally. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, the first time I played like a really, really high quality amp, I, I finally heard myself as a guitar player warts and all. And that was a really alarming experience because yep. it made me realize how much, how much I needed to improve because I'd been hiding behind, um, the lots of reverb and, you know, kind of non-responsive amps and stuff. And it was, it was, it was, it was good for me as a player to make that move. It happens with modelers too. Yeah. I noticed that if I play like my Axe effects or my Kemper or something for a while, which I'm prone to do, I've been playing the Axe effects a lot recently because it's here on the desk. I flip it on. It, it's instantly, it's always patched in. I, I have my settings up and it sounds really good. Like, right. It, don't get me wrong. I really like what the Axe effects and the Helix and all these things do, but it still has that same kind of thing. When I go and then plug into one of my big boy amps going yeah. through a cabinet, um, it's a different experience. Oh yeah. Completely different. Totally. Totally. And it's not about, it's not about how much money you spend either, because there's some really great, I think affordable, affordable be, being a relative term, uh, Amps like we always talk about Dr. Z on this podcast. Yep. I think Dr. Z amps are attainable. They are affordable. They're incredibly well built and they do that thing. They, they accurately represent what goes into the front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and for, you know, Fender just raised the price of the deluxe reverb reissue, um, to 1500 bucks. So I feel like Oof. the, the, I mean, I don't know. And I don't know what like a, a Maz 18 or whatever, is priced at these days, but I feel like the difference between, but yeah, let's look the difference between those, you know, getting a, a, a boutique amp without all the crazy features. Um, it's not. So Sweetwater has a Maz 18, 2,400 bucks for a combo. So it's a thousand more dollars. Right. But but let's look, let's look used though, because if you're, if you've got, okay. This is not our topic today, but I feel like this is a good one to cover. If you have $1,500 to spend on an amp, which I think is a really good range to be in, if you got 1500 bucks, do you go and get a brand new off-the-shelf Fender Deluxe Reverb reissue? I think not, personally, for 1500 Yeah. Because right here, I've got on Reverb, this one's uh, used Maz 18 210 combo, which is cool. I like the yeah. 210s. $1,500 plus $7,500, $7,500 shipping. That shipping is too cheap. I'll throw some more money at that so it get there. So yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, it's hard to like balance out use prices. Um, because like now that Fender's raised the standard price, deluxe reverb reissue use prices. I mean, I remember when you can buy them for like five, 600 bucks all day. Long. Uh, yeah. That wasn't, I thought I, Am I wrong in thinking that they're not five or six hundred bucks anymore? No, they're not. No, you're you're gonna throw a little bit more money at them now. What especially, seven eight? Yeah, and especially now because the the cost of the normal mod, like the new model's gone up, so everything shifts with it. But yeah, it's if you, it's all about patience and saving. You know, it's like I feel like we as guitar players really we we get the gas bug and we have to have it. We got it have it like right now and yep. here's a here's wait. a hand-wired ac30 212 combo for 1900 what they're asking now i do like the hand-wired vox oh, I better don't. than the hold on oh, oh, oh. <laughs> i like it better than <laughs> the uh the current reissue stuff um but the thing about the hand-wired is it still has that top end thing that I'm talking about. It still has that like harsh, brittle, shrill top end thing. If you can find, if you're looking, if your heart's set on an AC 30, which I think it should be because they're, I think AC thirties might be my favorite amps that come to think about it. Anyways, I would agree with that. God, I can hear tape guns. I hear <laughs> everything. I hear everything. <laughs> but if you got your heart set on an AC 30 and you want the Vox logo, you want the two twelve, you want the whole deal. Try and find an early to mid nineties, early Korg era AC 30 that was built in England by Marshall. Yep. They're hard to find, but they're bomb proof and they sound amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's, and there's, there's so many amps that you could, you, you so know, we could go amps. on, like people are mentioning stuff in the chat. We could talk forever about all the different options for, for getting into your first good tube amp. But 
Maybe um, it'll be next week's episode. Yeah, I think I think we need to plan a little bit on that and kind of make we could a do list. that. Do a whole series of like your first good tube amp, your first good guitar, all that kind of stuff could be cool. Yeah, because like I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like we're not trying to to shit all over uh, like the the Hot Rod series fenders. You know, I think they're very serviceable amps, but like compared to you know other stuff, it's like. I yeah, had I a buddy what, that always he always called him a toy amp, and I feel like that's kind of true. And that's a little harsh, but I feel like it's kind of true. It's a little harsh. I don't know that I call it a toy amp. I I would call it a serviceable, like mid tier amp. Uh, I would call them sort of disposable. That's yeah. that's how I think about those amps. They're, sure. they're disposable. They're they're not something to like keep around. You know, when they break, when they blow up. Okay, well, they did what it needed to do. But I think what we're talking about is when you're ready uh, to move up to a, you know, an heirloom amp, something that you're going to like hold on to and pass down, you know, and that's going to be your sound, your thing. um, There's a lot of options out there. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's get to the topic at hand, or at least the topic we came up with about an hour ago. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if you have much time to mull this over, but I was kind of thinking about it and it seems like recently I've been seeing a lot of new artists, uh, younger artists um, getting signature guitars, which I think is great, but I was kind of curious, who do you think deserves a signature guitar that's never gotten one? Or, I mean, this Uh may be new. It may be like a classic player. Um, But I think it's a fun conversation. I hope chat can help us out with some players that might deserve it that have never at least never had one that, that entered the mainstream or, or became into anyone's, you know, under anyone's radar or whatever. Well, the signature guitar thing is really interesting because it, it varies so widely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The only signature that I own is my, my strap. It's a mayor strap. I bought and it less Paul. Well, technically, yeah, I guess you're right. right. But but let's be, you know, let's, let's kind of hone in a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, this is a John Mayer Strat. I bought it for 1800 bucks back in 2012. Good deal. And these are going for, yeah, quite a bit more now. Yeah. Uh, this one's not for sale. But that's that's a good, to me, that's a good example of a signature guitar, which is to say that it's starting with its platform. It's starting with the Fender Strat, but it has enough tweaked about it that it stands alone stands different enough to be its own sort of thing like a john mayer strat is way different than an american standard way different than you know you say it's way different i mean i think the pickups are way different i think the neck i mean it's it's got an srv neck on it um basically yeah yeah it's you know the tuners are are unique on this one this is a black one well for Um, that one yeah for the yeah that that was like a limited run but yeah. I mean, because like to me, it's just got it's got the different neck, the big frets, and then the big dippers, and that's basically right. Which you can do difference. the big dippers, but the different neck and the big frets are a little bit more difficult to. Yeah. To me, this this deems a a worthy signature here. And if you're looking for one now, just buy a Silver Sky because right. I shot this guitar out against the Silver Sky when they first came out, and it the neck is identical. Like you can't, other than the radius, actual right. neck feel itself. You can't tell a difference, but um, yeah. Right. Well, I, you know, it's, it's curious. Cause like I asked the guys, I said, you know, who do you think deserves one? And McKinley said, Jack White. It's like, but what, he's played so much stuff though. Yeah. But everyone played like John Mayer plays so much stuff. Like, you know, like, it, yeah. It, but when you think about John Mayer, you think about a strat, like the strat and John Mayer are synonymous. Well, yeah. Um, but I mean, there's been a lot of players that have had signature guitars that, you know, played all sorts of other stuff too. I'm just like, I just thought, you know, some of the people we, we, we thought of like people who are, are really influential and, and, you know, ha- have caused people to pick up the instrument guy, uh, you know, Jack White, Dan Auerbach, David Gilmore's never had a signature guitar. Um, and, cause I don't think custom shop reissues of guitars. That doesn't count. That's just right. like a replica. Um, Johnny Greenwood, Radiohead. Um, yeah. You know, guys like well, that. he does. They have he does have the well. No, that's the um, Ed O'Brien Strat that I'm thinking of. Yeah, because Johnny, I mean, he famously played that uh, Tele Ultra right. back in the day with the the lace sensor pickups and stuff. And like, 
I mean, that would be super cool to to make a Johnny Greenwood guitar. But even then, it's like I don't know enough of the guitar. Like those that when I think of him, I think of that era playing that Telecaster and stuff. And that's my thing with Jack White. I mean, I agree with you in terms of influence and deserving of a signature guitar. My question, though, is like, what would a Jack White signature be? Would it be the airline from the White Stripes? Would it be the copper top triple jet from the Rack and Tours? Right. Would it be an EVH from his last solo record that he did? I mean, or one of those badass tellies that he had during the Blunderbuss series. It was like the blue telly with all white powder coated. Um, Hardware, like in the white Bigsby, you know what I'm talking about? Sure. Well, it, Lunar Module and, and Raymond Forbes in the chat said, what's the, well, Lunar said, what's the point of the Gilmore signature? His, his strap was constantly changing. And then Raymond said, is, is was a parts caster. And it's like, yeah, sure. But that's not what a signature guitar is. A signature guitar is a guitar that someone collaborates with a brand to say, these are the specs I want for my guitar. If like I had to like go to you to make it, this is what I would have you make. And mm. like, that's, that's the idea. Cause there've been people who've made multiple signature guitars over the years and they've changed DGT. and evolved. DGT. I mean, Brian Setzer had different versions of his Gretsch. Uh, you know, Billy Gibbons has all had all the permutations of the Billy bow and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean like that is the thing. Like, I mean, I could totally see Jack White or, I mean, I mean, I used to be able to see him having a signature Gretsch. I think that would make sense. I think it would sell well. I think I would buy the shit if, if they did. Absolutely. Because uh, throwback to a couple weeks ago, I actually got to play. They I can't still can't believe they had this out on the Nam floor, but they had his Rackentors Copper Top Triple Jet on, just on the floor as part yeah. of the the third man Nam booth. And if if Gretsch came out with that guitar, I would be first in line to buy it. I think it is so badass. It is so cool. I'm a huge Jack White fan. I love pretty much everything he does specifically the rack and tours and the dead weather. Although he mm-hmm. wouldn't have a signature guitar for the dead weather. Cause he plays drums in that band. But <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, well, and even like the Dan Arbuck thing, like he's played so many different things. I mean, I but I could totally see the new harmony, uh, you know, um, company making him like a new, uh, rocket or something. Cause that I mean, be but badass. but that's, you know, like that's his career. I mean, hell, how long ago was that? 15 years ago? You know, 20 years ago when he was playing those guitars? No, he still plays them, man. When okay. We did the, when we did the Black Keys tour in 2019, he was playing all kinds of stuff. His main guitar on that run was a knockoff Les Paul Custom, like a black Les Paul Custom. Oh, yeah. That was, but it wasn't, I forget what brand it was. It was some weird Japanese knockoff brand, I think. But it was cool. Yeah, it, he. I mean, he has a burst that he, he bought from Carter's. He he brought in his Trini Lopez. Yeah, um, that was super cool. He just like brought it in and set it on the bench, and I was like, "What's that?" That's <laughs> so my Trini. You want to see it? I was like, "Yeah, I want to see it." And he like got it out and gave it to me. Um, super cool guitar. Like those. Like I could see him having that. I mean, especially with like the, um, the crazy um success that Gibson had with the uh, the Foo Fighters. Um, Dave Grohl, Dave Grohl, Trini, like Firebird thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, it was just a Trini, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just a Trini. It's just basically it's a Trini Lopez. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's the thing about it is, and and um, the guys had mentioned Joey Landreth, of course, because like I mean, Joey's super influential and such an immense talent. But I've talked to Joey about this, and he's like, I just don't want to have to commit to like being in a contract and like having to play this thing and. Having yeah. that sort of like commitment on paper that this has to be done this way. And we should talk about that. There's a side to the signature guitar thing that I think gets lost in the conversation sometimes, which is the business of it. Right. You know, oftentimes an artist or player will approach a company or be approached by a company to do a signature, whatever pedal, uh, amp, picks, um, and it's a business agreement. And oftentimes, it, well, pretty much all the time, the artist or player is earning a commission off of each sale of the instrument. And what the, the brand, the builder is getting from the deal is the name recognition of the artist that they're building the signature guitar for. Yeah. Um, back to the mayor strat. I mean, that, that did really well for, for Fender. Um, obviously slash is still working for Gibson because they keep 
making the damn slash signature whatever is at this point at j45 less paul's god knows what else you know even I, though I the actual it. appetite guitar is not a gibson uh, yeah i mean i wonder someone there has to be a website cataloging all the different slash models because he's had a slash model i'm uh, sick of it for how long like i'm sick of it so i don't want to see another slash model <laughs> it's just it's god oh i hate it anyways so who do you think is deserving? I mean, it's a good question. It's a good thought experiment. I also agree with Joey Landreth. Um, you know what? Rick Beato is getting a signature Gibson. And I think that's, I, I think that's a great move. I mean, right. it brings up this discussion about, you know, the modern day um, guitar heroes and, and you have players like Tosin Abasi who has his own brand. talk about signature. He's got his own signature brand that he yeah. runs. Um, which are super cool, by the way. I want uh, a bossy Lorada Seven, really bad. Mm. Um, even though it's kind of my anti guitar, I'm. I think it's badass. So, yeah, Rick is getting a signature, and it's a cool. It's a cool thing because if you think about how many people has he influenced, how many guitar players have he right. influenced, has learned from him over the last five or six years. I mean, I think it's a good fit. Um, yeah. and he's going to be donating all his proceeds from signature sales to uh, a charity. I don't know which one, but Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. I think they're only doing like 500 of them or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, there's something to be said about that too. It's like, do you have to make it forever? You know, like mm. should it be something that's limited and, and, and because, you know, things go in and out of fashion. Of course, guns and roses are going to be popular probably forever people are going to be listening to that you know slash as a guitar player just like Jimi hendrix and and all these people they're gonna they're gonna live on but will will people still be buying them you know um and, and i always think it's cool like seeing new like the saint vincent guitar like that's an amazing signature guitar yeah. probably one of the most unique looking signature guitars ever and i i think that its success has transcended the fact that she plays it uh, you yeah. know, because it's become such a, it, it <laughs> struck a chord with so many guitar players. <laughs> nice. Know? Nice. I couldn't help it. I'm a dad now. There's jokes. We need to these. make that part of the, the drinking game. <laughs> a dad joke. Yeah. So what, what signatures do you think have transcended the artists? Because I, I agree with you on the St. Vincent model. It, it yeah. has become its own standalone thing. Uh, I mean, definitely the, the St. Vincent. Um, I think, the, the Wolfgang guitar, like the, like yeah. the actual, you know, not the, the double cut, like super strat thing, even though like, would we have super strats if it weren't for Eddie doing, you know what he did? Um, but that Maybe. guitar, you know, I think, I mean, it's not, I'd say but, the, tr- the Trini Lopez. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you that's know, a, like, a signature guitar that's trans. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's become, become a signature of another artist now. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, like the Dave Grohl's. Yeah. Dave Grohl's signature guitar is just Trini Lopez's signature guitar, basically. Right. Um, I'll tell you what, my favorite signature that I've seen recently um, that didn't get a whole lot of press, a whole lot of attention is the Chris Cornell signature 335. I think those yeah. are sick. Olive drab green with the clear knobs and filter trons. Mm-hmm. Oof killer guitar yeah and those i mean the when i first saw them because i mean i was uh I, I like chris cornell i was i was not a huge Soundgarden fan and stuff but like you know i i i enjoyed his his singing and stuff and and i didn't really know of him as a guitar player i didn't think of him in that way but um i remember the first time seeing that guitar i was like that's gonna be a thing it's just yeah. too cool to it's not do too a thing. cool yeah. yeah, that's so cool. It's so cool, and uh, man, everything about it. And I, uh, and I, uh, you know, Matthew uh, was working at Lawler when all that went down, and he is he he had a part in that guitar, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, too bad he can't get his hands on one because they're big money now, <laughs> right? Yeah. Are they? Are so, they not being made anymore? No, they just did a limited run of them. Oh wow! And they all sold like that. I mean, they're just gone. Oh, let's uh, see what they're going for in reverb now. Bum force. I, lo- I love your username. <laughs> uh, a Nels Klein signature jazz master. That seems like something that, you know, even though uh, I feel like most time I see him playing a Novo now, but Ooh. Um, what are they priced at? So here's one asking 14, five. 
on reverb. Yikes. Yeah. It's an original first run of 250, not the 2019, whatever. Uh, here's a later one they're asking. Here's one for 10. Here's one for 11.2. Wow. So they're in that, that 10,000 range, at least asking. <laughs> I don't know if they're selling for that. but Man, they're cool, but they ain't that cool. You can $10, buy some. You can buy some Lawler Trons and put them in a 335 for like, <laughs> yeah, $3,000. You, you could get a 335 refinished with Lawler Trons put in it for a fraction of the price. Yeah. But I mean, come, tell me Ooh. that's not one of the greatest looking 335s. It, it, was, it was an instant classic. The moment Ugh. people got to see it in person, because I felt like, like that's a great photo, but like seeing it on the Gibson website, I was like, okay, well, you know, it's great. And yeah. then you see it and you see that like the matte finish of it. it's such a good guitar, such a good guitar. I'll tell you what other signature I'm really interested in. And and this brings up another part of the conversation, but the Julian Lodge signature oh. Martin OM that's coming oh. out or that oh, is oh, out that. now. The Martin, uh, I thought you were, I thought you were going to talk about the Gretsch. No, no, but that's also another, another one, dude. Ugh. That one's oh, yeah. That's a that's a dirty one. That one I am for Clint. Just thinking about it. <laughs> I uh, so that's the thing about signatures though is like what is more appealing to you? Is it right. the instrument itself and its particular specification, or is it the fact that it's the artist and their name recognition and their clout and you're a particular fan of that artist? Right. Yeah. It's it, it's it's an interesting thing. The signature thing, like. I mean, I, I definitely, I got, I bought the John Mayer Strat. I had one that I foolishly sold and I picked it. I loved, I loved John Mayer, but I also bought that guitar because I thought this is the coolest Strat that I can buy. That's not a custom shop. Yeah. Um, and I kind of think that too now about like the Eric Johnson guitar. Um, right. You know, but it, it's just, it's interesting how sometimes you want to play like that person you want to have that sound. And then sometimes you just, whatever they cooked up works for you, you know, the same as it yeah. did for them. I bought my mayor because it was, it just came up. I was looking for a strat. I didn't have any kind of strat at all. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at used ones and actually my dad found the listing. I think he was looking on Craigslist and, and my dad's one of these guys that he doesn't play music. He's not a musician at all, but he's got great ears and he yeah. knows what to listen for, what sounds good and everything. And then he's also a, an intense like researcher. So when you put him on something, he's going to like give you pages and pages of options. So <laughs> right. he found this one in Texas on Craigslist. He was looking in like the San Antonio Craigslist and found mm. this one. Guy had to sell it for rent money. He was using, using Search Tempest or whatever it was. <laughs> I guess. I don't know what the hell he was using, but he, my dad found that guitar for me. Uh, and that's, that's why awesome. I bought it. And I didn't know at the time because they were still being made. Now, I knew it was a black one. I knew they were special. There was only 500 of them. But at the time, Mayer was still with P- uh, with um, Fender. You know, there was no sign he was ever going to leave. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, ne- I didn't see that one coming. I really didn't. Um, I wonder what these are going for now. Let's look at these. Oh, bananas, probably. They're going the black for, one. Going for bananas. And I still have, I have the case because it came with the special case and all oh, the patches. Oh, you got patches. the in-case in case? Yeah, I have. Oh. And I've never used it. I've never used the case. I've always used other gig bags. Cool case. Um, it's a really cool. I had it. I had, I, I think I kept mine in the deal. I kept my in-case bag when I sold my Strat. All right, let's see. Mayor black one. Um, It's got to be a lot. There's, I don't see any. Oh, here we go. Here's one, uh, 2010, $7,280 is what they're asking in very good condition. Let me go to, yeah, this is, this is my guitar. Uh, let me go to past sales here. Where is that on compare prices? I'm looking on, sometimes you can use Google to find sold listings on reverb. Um, yeah, how do I find reverb sucks for this um <laughs> yeah it does come on reverb it, the price guide used to be so much better yeah there's there's a black one on here for 7280 that's what i'm looking at looking at yowza um it's in finland so <laughs> you're gonna pay to ship it too <laughs> yeah wow i'm not seeing any i bet a lot of people that have them just are sitting on them yeah well i don't uh, I, I like it i'm not gonna sell it I, I play it all the time it's my best strat 
Right. Hmm. Oh, here's a black one that sold for over 4,000. Um, Damn. But I don't know. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, no. These are a lot of people like making their own. Here's one that sold for 5,300. Or listing ended, excuse me. Yeah. So I, I don't That's know. That's the thing. Just because they're asking that doesn't mean that's what they're selling for. Sure. And when, and when this is the type of market where there's only one or two available, uh, I don't know. I doubt that I doubt that seller is going to get seventy two eighty for that guitar. Probably not. Unless but, there's just a crazy super fan that has to have it. Right. And and I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know uh, that. I I do agree. I think the John Mayer strats are some of the best strats ever made. And 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 I've played the custom shop John Cruz black one. Um, that's the best strat I've ever played. Really? Like yeah. Like even compared to like vintage ones, I swear. I know it sounds crazy, but that thing rules. It's so good. <laughs> now those so are good. big, big money. Yeah, because they only like did what, twenty like grand, eighty three of those or something. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they <sighs> yeah. I have a buddy oh that God. has the relic like one and. It like John signed all the back of the headstocks and then he got to meet John and John signed it again. So it's got two John signatures <laughs> on the headstock on the back. It's crazy. It's crazy. But <laughs> anyway, I don't, I think it's, I, I, I want to see what shows up in the, in the comment section um, and see what people think, like who deserves it. Cause there's, I mean, there's so many people that, you know, you and I don't know. Mm. Uh, like I was Googling like who, who are the, the new, the new hotness right now. And, and most of the names I did not recognize. So I'm just curious. You know what, what Strat is really cool now is the her signature. Have you seen that one? Is that the silver one? Yeah, it's like yeah. The super metallic. That's cool, and I really like her, the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see her Strat. Yeah, I'm uh, on reverb. I see that one now. Yeah, those yeah, are, those these are neat. This is cool, man. Chrome glow. It's just a weird picture somebody took on their wall but it's like that iridescent silver with the the aluminum pickguard on there yeah maple board love that and you know strats are like it's funny like there have been so many signature strats and they all kind of stand out on their own i mean sometimes they just look like a strat you know like the eric johnson some of those just look like you know vintage reissue strats but it's all about getting it in your hands and getting to know it um, right. Because there's a lot more happening with a signature guitar than just the aesthetics. It's yeah. the, you know, with, especially with a company like Fender or Gibson or Gretsch or any Martin, anybody, when they're designing a signature guitar, it's not just, hey, what color do you want and what kind of pickups do you want and what right. kind of fretboard material do you want? They go through exhaustive detail, picking yeah. every single spec on the guitar. And that's the thing. Just because you like an artist or you like a player doesn't mean you should immediately try and go out and buy their signature instrument because what they like in an instrument, what they like in a guitar or an amp or a pedal may not line up with how you play or what you're looking for. Um, you know, the Mayer Strat works for me because it's what I like out of a Strat. It's a big beefy neck. It's big frets, nice mm-hmm. mid scooped pickups, uh, low output pickups. I mean, it ticks all the boxes for me. So. Yeah. You know, if I was, if Fender ever approached me to do a Strat, I would kind of just do a John Mayer adjacent Strat. Oh, the only man. thing I would change on is I'd probably put a skunk stripe on the pick on the the neck, and um, that's it. I yeah. I think the the black. I think this is the best looking Strat that's ever been made. The black with mint guard and gold hardware on a it's Rosewood really cool. Board. I like it's it. Really cool. I um, I, I like it. I wanted one. Uh, but I mean, I already had one. I was like, what do I need another one for? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julio in the chat. And I think maybe we should end with this question. What are our thoughts on the Corey Wong signature strat, which has a smaller body? Not my thing. No, I thought and it was kind of like cool. Wong. I like yeah. Corey Wong. I like his playing, his style. Corey it, rules. Yeah. He, he's killer. I, it's, and isn't it an HSS? No, no. Mm-mm. It's just What's his blue. Doing? It looks like his Highway 1, his like early, early Highway 1 blue with the Proloid Guard. And I think it has like a push-push or push-pull pot to go like the one of the two or four positions. Like, I don't know. Okay. And it's like – because you know how like a lot of the footage of, of him playing, it's his, his selector switch is taped. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like that fixed, which is super smart. Um, but no, I think it's 
really neat. I don't know how much smaller the body is. I'd have to like see it like laying on top of a another strat. But I don't know. I think it's kind of neat. And I actually like that idea because I, for me, like sitting with a strat, it's not comfortable. That's why I got the Saris S because it just feels like playing all my my other Saris. Only now it has a strat pick guard on it. What's uncomfortable uh, uncomfortable about a strat to you? But because there's just something about where it sits in my lap, or even even when I'm playing standing up, like when I used to be in like this Americana band, and I uh, I had a my John Mayer Strat was my guitar. That was like the only guitar I usually took on, on gigs. And just where I would strum, I would I would hit the neck, like, uh. like where I strummed and where it sat as it hang on as it hung on me, and even when I sat down and played it, uh, my my pointer finger would um, smack the the neck of the guitar, and eventually my fingernail got so thin um, that I had to start putting I had to get like nail hardener to keep my fingernail <laughs> wow. from like cracking. If there's something about playing it. And how I play, that was it. Just doesn't work. And and sitting in my lap, it feels a little further away. Whereas like a Gibson, because to me a Saris, a Novo Saris feels kind of like playing a three thirty five. It's kind of like tucked yeah, over and it's up. But yeah. a Les Paul is tucked over and it's down. And that it just a Strats kind of feel a little further away for me. So well, this because I'm so, so weird with my hand. My left hand is so strange for how I have to play. I'm looking at this and I have the classic sort of neck pickup where right here and i'm looking you won't be able to see it on camera but i can see it here which is the where my pick always falls is right in here yeah so my hand is just missing the neck but i'm coming down and i have the opposite problem which is like my hand or the the knuckle of my finger ends up hitting like down here a lot of times. Well, when I'm doing like single note stuff I would tuck closer to the bridge but I this was a lot of like chords and stuff and strumming, and I would just play right above the neck pickup, and my finger would whack that the neck, uh, like at the twenty first fret. Yeah. yeah, it was really annoying. But I agree with you on the Novo. I think it's the perfect shape. They're big guitars. I, I love them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. So, Don't be scared of a big guitar, you guys. Yeah, big Devil guitars are where it's at. Devil sign in the chat says those Novos are friggin' enormous. They're really not that big. They're, they're not they're, that big. They're bigger than average, but it's like once you get used to it, it's just I don't know. They're this great. Feels like you're uh, being if you hugged don't, if you don't like the the big one, get the Solus. It's a smaller body. Yeah, and they just announced uh, this. This will come out later, but they just announced today the Saris P2. So uh, the Tunematic style bridge and two P90s on a Saris. So beautiful. Fun. Go buy a Novo. Happen. That's the thing. That's yeah. <laughs> just go buy a Novo. Honestly, like we talk about it all the time on this show. They're the best <laughs> they, they really, really are. are it's so good they're so good you are going to regret one day in the hopefully far distant future when dennis fano and novo are no longer making guitars you're going to regret not having one i think <laughs> yeah yeah so whatever so. listen to me if you want don't listen to me but don't come crying back to me Whenever these damn prices on these Novos start going through the roof and you can't buy one, because I told already, you. They're told already you. crazy. It's bananas. Anyway. Are you they really? Sh- yeah, Hold they're crazy. On. Let's do one more reverb look Oh, up. my Let's just God. look up a Novo. There's probably none on there. Novo. I can't type. Guitar. Let's just Re- see. Reverb. All right. Here's a Saris T. What for forty one ninety five? Mm-hmm. No. Yep. It's just a stock Saris T. Mm-hmm. Those are yep. what twenty four ninety nine new. And there's a Voltur for uh, thirty thirty nine ninety five. Yeah. Uh, let's. Well, let me look. Hold on. Let me get on. Let me get on the Novo. Who's selling this? Watchtower Guitars. Oh yeah. Yeah they uh they 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 get a lot of used ones and they're proud of them. They're one. They're a Mythos dealer. Shout out to Watchtower, but they they do. They get them and, uh, yeah, they get, they, I mean, they're selling them. <laughs> okay. A Sarah's T starts at twenty seven ninety nine. So really it's a matter of, do you want to wait or are you willing to spend almost twice as much to have it right now? Yeah. 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 It's, it's crazy. And, and, and even like on the Facebook group, I see people post them all the time and it's like, Oh, there's a Nova money. Facebook group. 
Yeah, there's two now. Controversy. Oh. Scandal. Oh, I, don't, I don't get on Novo. Or I, on I, Facebook. I get on Sorry. Facebook just because of Instagram. And, Whoa. Uh, A Solus F1 for $46.95. Aztec gold over bull black. So, Oh, this is Emerald City in Seattle. Oh, yeah. So it's the dealers. Well, yeah, the used... There's a there's a Solus M1 grape jelly sparkle burst for fifty one seventy. It's <laughs> oh it's bananas. I, I I think I should put my my TCS on there for like thirty thousand dollars and see if anyone. I should I should do the Josh Scott thing and put my Saris J up there for like four hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, you know, you definitely introduced probably the most people to you know on 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 the YouTube's you and RJ. Hey, I'm yeah. proud of it. Here's a bull black Saris J for five thousand dollars. It's crazy at Chicago Music Exchange. Yep, I mean, like they're pricing them what they're selling for, and some of them are selling for that. So, yeah, that's a beautiful guitar. That's a cool one. That is a cool one. Anyway, so so what do you think is happening? People are ordering them and getting them, and and then just they're flipping them, basically. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, that's happened, um, but. You know, because you'll see them on the Instagram, like, just finish this one. And then, like, a, a month later, it's on reverb. It pops like, up. Ah, damn. God. But, you know, that's the way it goes. I guess so. Why does that, why does that, does that irk you? That kind of irks me a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because. Why? The, I don't know. Because we're so connected to our instruments and we love Novo. We love Matthew and Dennis and Devin and, like, you know, all the whole that's team. We're, they're all our friends. It's true. So seeing, you know, and I don't know if these are flipping. I mean, the, the stores definitely aren't, you know. That's true. But, um, you know, that's just the way it goes. Uh, here's a 2012 Fano Alt De Facto for 3500 I still want I still want a Dennis Fano, a real one. Maybe you could just talk to him and have him make one with, that says has a Novo headstock. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time I've asked him. He has the technology. <laughs> All right, are we doing a show of the week here? Yeah, I got a good one. And you know what's funny? I don't know if this will... You'll probably not see it because the internet is uh, so potatoey. but can you see who called me? Uh-oh. Old Nicholas Greer. And here's mine. I bought this uh. at, uh, at Eastside, one of their Eastside, um, like, the colorway... <laughs> Right. Light speeds. So it's black with like a greenish sort of print. But yeah. Is that your it, first light speed? I had a light speed. I had a blue one like forever right. ago. When I when I was developing this, the Herc V2, I thought, you know what? I need to have like every iteration of of like the medium gain, transparent-ish overdrive. So I bought I had a Tim, I had a Timmy, I had a Janray, I had a light speed, I had like all the things. And um Lightspeed was really good, but you know, just like that happens, I traded it away and sold it. But and then I thought, Do you still you know have what? that Tim, by the way. I still have my t- I, I I sold that Tim, but I have another Tim that's actually older now. So <laughs> I do have an original Tim, uh, like okay. like the the perfboard OG Tim. Yeah, I love the Tim; it's fantastic. But yeah, yeah I just if you thought, saw that one. Let me know. I just thought I need uh, I need to get another one of these, and they that, just got a shipment. So listen, I'm I'm. Uh, the light speed is my favorite overdrive. Listen, listen. Hear that? It's good sound and pedal. Yeah, it's good sound and pedal. It's how you know it's good. Tone tapping. That's it. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm going to give my shill away. Uh, but yeah, I think the light speed is my favorite overdrive. Yeah. I think the light speed and the Timmy, that, that's been my go-to combination for years and years at this point. They stack incredibly well together. They sound amazing together. Um, I love what the Lightspeed does to just about any amp that you put it in front of. As per our conversation last week, week before last, um, that's what's beautiful about a transparent overdrive. Mm-hmm. It keeps the natural character of whatever amp you're playing. And if you're playing a really good amp and you put a really good transparent overdrive in front of it, it's uh, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what you got? All right. I got a pedal too. I've got the Somersault lo-fi modulator from caroline guitar company i've got a whole bunch of caroline stuff on loan from philippe currently cool uh, he sent me a pedal board like it's i think it's one of his like nam boards or something <laughs> that has all the stuff on it sure and uh <laughs> he asked me why i was like hey man are you coming through columbia anytime soon you could bring that board by i'm like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah 
Sure come back. I will. It'll come back. Uh, but I was using this the other day, uh, just putting some guitars through it, playing, putting bass through it actually for a mm. track I was working on. And I really like what it does. The, the sort of lo-fi, it, it, it kind of has a preamp sort of thing going on um, where it'll break up. And it, it has this interesting modulation that has a really nice character to it. Yeah. And um, it'll get freaky. It'll get weird if you want it to. But recently, I've, I've really been enjoying playing with some modulation stuff ever since I bought the Ultra Shear. Yeah. Um, I like the, the vibrato pitch modulation kind of thing. Just real subtle. And um, it's, it's great. You know what's you know what's a very random coincidence, but our pedals have the same knobs. This is light speed. Oh my god! Those are the black knobs version of this knob. It's the same knob. My Aren't cameras. those the ones you couldn't find because Nick bought all of them? Uh, there were some knobs that I was trying to use that yeah he bought. It was the smaller one, the tone knob one. Uh, that yeah, he, he bought. I, I was using some for a, a kit. <laughs> I needed some, and they were gone. So that happens. There, there's only a few places we buy knobs. And right. every now and again, like, um, you just get that random, that frantic text from another pedal builder. Like, Hey, do you know where I can get uh, so. <laughs> nice? Well, there you go, everyone. Season two. We're out here. Full swing. Be sure to Cut. subscribe. If you haven't done so already, follow us on Patreon, do all the things. And, uh, we love you guys. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. More to come.